Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's give them, let's give them another hand clap appreciation. Amen. Thank you so much for your prayers. We got back from Veracruz uh, last night. I want to thank uh, Larry and Patricia and Andrea for going down there. These guys did a fantastic job. We've seen people baptizing the Holy Spirit. Went down there to do a marriage conference uh, in partnership with Amigos de Fe, which is Rebecca and Denzel Hood. Uh, that's where our team will be going. We're going to be going to Puebla in September. So uh, just wanna, I just want to thank these guys and thank you for your prayers. We see a lot, of, a lot of the Lord moving in a mighty way. And I'm going to tell them what I'm telling you. We are people of the Spirit. And we must have the Spirit, whether in our marriage, whether in life or ministry, we've got to have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. But there was a reason I brought all that up was to, we found a little tool that is useful. Finally, the Internet has come up with something good. It's called Google Translate. I'm not kidding you. Google Translate, it's an app. You download the app, and you can, in any language, you can have a conversation with someone. I did it this morning uh, with, some, with some folks. You can, you can speak as you download the app. You can talk in English, and it translates in Spanish. Or it'll translate in any other language that you pick. I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool. And it's very needed. And so you can use, many people use it during, during the service. You can put it on conversation mode, and while I'm speaking in English, you can hear it in Spanish. Read it in Spanish. It'll also read back to you. So don't do that during service. No, no, no. Listen to Mama. She knows. Okay. Just a, just a little, just another tool in our arsenal, okay, to help us communicate. Because we believe that God wants us to reach nations and generations. I want you to go in your Bibles. I'm going to draw from a, a, a text I promise you I've never preached from. But as we have been talking about family matters, we, we started at Mother's Day and we did, talked about strong women. Any strong women in the house? Thank you, thank you for being a strong woman. We talked last week about Fight, flight, or forgive. And folks, let me tell you, we, we don't need to fight in our relationships. We need to fight for them, but not in them. We don't need to run from relationships. We need to forgive. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that message. But today I'm going to talk about family matters. Life on purpose. Holy Spirit, I'm asking, Lord, today that you go well beyond my thoughts. I'm asking, Lord, that you would inspire, that you would, Lord God, reach down. Lord, if you could just take those little nuggets, God, that you have given me and just infuse that into our understanding. If you could just take your nuggets, Lord God, and your insight and your wisdom and just infuse it into our, our understanding, Lord God, it's going to change everything. Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Now, the Holy Spirit is about the church body and the revelation of Jesus Christ. And God is concerned about children. And today, the emphasis is going to be on children today. 
fact, in worship this morning, the Lord just surprised me. Don't you just love when God surprises you? He just says something, and it just in the in the speaking of it, just causes you all the way down to your ends of your fingers just to begin to feel. And what the Lord said is, my heart is broken for my children. And he's, his heart is broken not just for, for the adult children, but for the generations and for children. And so today I, I want to encourage, and this, this message is for those who, who are rearing kids. You may be a grandparent, you may be a parent. It's for everybody in the house, but, but, but folks, I hope and pray that the Spirit would just break your heart. Let you, let him, let you feel what he feels for this generation. But I want you to, life on purpose, having a, having a vision for the next generation. I want you to look at Jeremiah 7, and I'm going to read out of the New American Standard. I want you to notice something that was taking place in, in Israel. In the time of Jeremiah, do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The Lord is asking a question. The children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women need dough to make sacrificial cakes for the queen of heaven. Daddy. Bring the wood to dad. Dad kindles the fire so that mom, who's in the house, can go ahead, knead the dough, get it together, and make a sacrifice for the God of heaven, the queen of heaven. I'm sorry, the queen of heaven. Now you look and you say, well, who's the queen of heaven? queen of heaven is... Most likely, Asheroth, who was the goddess in the Canaanite culture, the deity of fertility. She was supposed to mate with either Baal or Mot, the other Canaanite gods, according to their ideology, their, their, their mythology. And so, here's the thing, the struggle was, for the Israelite people, they were, they were taught that they were shepherds in the wilderness and in Egypt. And when they came through, that the God that they served was only a God who could take care of those who shepherded people or shepherded the flock. But when they came into the Canaanite land, a land filled with farmers, there was a struggle as to whether or not God was actually a God of sowing and reaping. Could you imagine? But it was real. And so the Israelites had an had a ongoing issue as to whether or not they should serve the God of the shepherds or they should serve the, the so-called pseudo-gods, the made-up gods invoked by hell the, in order to serve the, the gods who could, took care of the fertility. And so happened is Israel over decades because there kept rising up nations that did not have an intimate relationship with the covenant God they began to rise up and they were duped by the societal influence by the culture 
creeped in to the covenant people's heart. They began to believe that God was no longer able, Jehovah, covenant-keeping God, was no longer able to provide for them. And so they would go and they would many times mingle the two in worship. They would go serve the gods of the world, but they would also serve Jehovah God because they were after provision. And the unfortunate reality was that the sacrifice included lewd sexual practices, cult prostitution, there's numerous accounts of children, the innocent, being sacrificed in order to allow provision to keep flowing. Mm. But what I want you to zero in on is this. It was a family affair. And the kids were involved with what the parents were showing them. In other words, the kids, children mimic what is modeled in front of them. Is it okay if I talk to you? Is this all right? world that they had nothing to do with the creation of that world and we need to teach them and model before them the right way so that they may model before their children the right way so that we can begin to see from house to house to house before we can change the nations we got to change the home before we are ready to reach the world, we need to reach our world. And we need to model something worth mimicking in our own house. Children mimic what is modeled. As we look here, if I could give you a compass, a guide, they might have been the last. And if you'd had the, the other ones along the way, you might have had a, 10 more. But you've always got that one who breaks every rule of child and parenting, and, and it's, it's just there. And you've got to say, what and how am I going to deal? And how am I going to guide my kids? And how do I reach true north? What compass do I have? I've heard it said, I wasn't given a handbook in order to, uh, in order to rear my children. I, I beg to differ, you did, in front of us. We didn't have the leave it to beaver household. It wasn't a, we didn't grow up with a June and Ward Cleaver kind of a household. And we didn't have the big brother Wally to look up to. We, we just didn't, we didn't have those things growing up. And so we were somewhat of a loss. We couldn't fall back on, well, mama did this and daddy did this because that's not what we wanted to do. 
Now, they had some good things that they did, and thank God they brought us into the world, but, but there were some things that they wouldn't, we never questioned their love for us. But we always knew, and I'm speaking from my behalf, I'm going to speak from my wife's behalf, but I always knew that they loved themselves more. So, what do I need in order to guide my family in the direction and my children in the direction? Folks, it's vision. You got to have vision. You got to have vision for your child. Vision is not where they're at, it's where they're going. What is it going to take to get them? where they are supposed to be. And see, that in itself, if, if you will harness your thoughts, your actions, your behavior, the tone of your voice, even the texture many times uh, would, would be warranted by the vision, the way a father speaks to a child is vitally important. The way the mother loves a child is vitally important. It is necessary and needed because they are going to model what is mimicked before them. Are you hearing me? we got to have vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law, happy is he. I want my children to be happy. Amen? But without a, if I don't have the vision as a father, as the other translation says, where there is no divine vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who keeps Torah instruction. See, if there's no vision, then there's a casting off of restraint. You're not anchored down by anything because you have lost the vision for your family. And so families run amok because mom and dad don't have a vision for the future of their child. If they did, their behavior would be different. I feel the weight of generations on my shoulders at this moment. So I don't mean to be harsh, and I don't want the message to come across harsh. I actually genuinely want to help you as we go forward. And maybe you're at a place right now, and you don't have a family. Maybe you're young, and you're, you're just thinking about one day having a family. God bestowed upon me long before I knew the Lord at a very, very small child is that I wanted a family family. I wanted the Leave It Beaver household. I wanted where people walked in and they were kind to one another. I wanted to be able to lay a thousand dollar bill on the table and it still be there when I get back. Amen? I, I didn't want to, I wanted to live in a house where you didn't walk in wondering what kind of mood they're in today. I did not want to model that in front of my children. I did not want my children to walk into a house where there was contention and fighting and anger and mom and dad biting each other and just going at each other and just railing upon each other. I didn't want that, but I didn't know how to get there. It was in me to desire it, but the more I tried to go forward in life, the more I self-destructed until Christ, the Redeemer, stepped in. 
taught me how to harness my own emotions. Teach me how to move in the right direction. Do what he had intended. But see, vision is not where they're at. Long before we had kids, well, I say that. Long before we had kids, I had a desire to have this home. But it wasn't until Andrea became pregnant with Lainey that I gave my heart wholly surrendered to God. That's when I got saved. That's when the Lord convicted me, and I just, well, he convicted me along the way, but that's when I absolutely surrendered because I thought, man, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then I'm like, Lord, I feel the weight of this responsibility because I have just brought an eternity into the world. Not just a life, but an eternity. Not just a life, but an eternity. There is this person that stepped into this world will be in existence for all of eternity. She will never, ever, ever cease to exist. And it is my responsibility to ensure that she has every available opportunity to accept you as Lord and Savior so that she may live eternally with you. Because she is either going to exist in heaven or she will exist in eternal hell. Choice will be hers, but I have to influence that choice by walking and having a vision for God, from God. See, not where they're at, but where are they going? See, God has a purpose, not what I want them to be, but what God wants them to be. It's not I'm trying to relive my childhood through my children, it's like, Lord, I want to celebrate their abilities, their talents, and find what, 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 what interests them. And I want to celebrate them and their talents to see, Lord, where do you want to, what do you want to do with them? Where, what perfect plan do you have for their life? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. So see, the Lord before each and every person in this room was formed in the womb. God already knew you, and he's got a plan in place for your life. Every time that Andrea and I, her many, many times, I should say, that Andrea and I have encountered individuals either on the street or doing ministry or find them bound in, in, in horrific, self-destructive behavior, she, I've heard her say this a thousand times, she, she will tell me, she will say, that was someone's baby sometime in life. What happened? What happened? What brought them to that place? Could mom and dad have not had a vision for that child? And maybe it was mimicked before them, or maybe there were so many self-destructive behaviors that were demonstrated before them that now they're in a place where they don't know how to overcome, and so they self-medicate, self-destruct. Let's look beyond the problem and let's get to the source, amen? Let's get to the reason why those symptoms still exist. Life on purpose. See, vision, moms and dad, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. 
dance music. No, hear me. <laughs> See, vision means I have life on purpose. Life on purpose. And so my actions have purpose. Not calculated, purposeful. I found early on that the way I speak to my children ways as a father has great bearing upon my kids. I left dress code up to mama because I never wanted my children to ever feel, my daughters especially, you've seen my daughters, they're beautiful. As teenagers though, you're like, come on up in this yard, boy. What you want to do? You know what I'm saying? I'm, I mean, I'm that kind of dad. But I never wanted to speak to my daughters in such a way that ever diminished their belief that they were beautiful, wonderful, strong women of God. Now, if there were body parts hanging out, you most definitely know that I would tell them to cover it up. You hear me? Come on. Do you all have teenage daughters? You know, when, when they, they want to just, <laughs> they want to toe the line. <laughs> It's like, why are you wearing a hoodie in the middle of an August summer and in the winter you don't want to even put a coat on? I don't understand your logic. As a friend of mine says, he said, their brain is still mush. They don't, they don't have a fully formed brain until they get about 25. But see, I... We would have agreements on, on what areas we would, we would address. And I just use that as, a, as an example. But see, I valued, and, I, and I, put so much, I put value on them because I want them to be strong, confident women. We had a word in our house we considered a cuss word. And we considered anything that you wouldn't want a two-year-old to say would be a cuss word. And so, Lainey came home from school one day and she said, Oh, Mom, Dad, my teacher said a cuss word. Your teacher said a cuss word? What was the cuss word? She's about five or six. I, ca I can't say it. What does it start with? She's learning her letters. She said it starts with an S. What was it? She said, shh, shh, I, I can't say it. I said, no, baby, you can say it. Just go ahead. I'm, you're, you're not going to get in trouble. She said, shh, shut up. <laughs> Why was that a curse word? Because we never told our children to shut up. We told them to be quiet. Calm down. Relax. <laughs> Chill. See, because the tone and the texture of your voice, fathers, has bearing upon your children. And if you grow up in a house where you're always told you can't, you won't, you'll never, and you're no good, and you're sorry, and you're... And, and I thank God for those experiences. And the reason I thank God for those experiences, it gave me a vision for something better. 
It gave me a vision for something. I wouldn't go relive it. I wouldn't address it. I wouldn't prescribe it. But when you hear enough of that, that's the very thing you don't want to do. And you can't not do that many times if you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you. And so what happens uh, is the Holy Spirit steps in. Uh, and see, I'm looking at them in vision, and I want to celebrate their talents. I'm going to celebrate them. But in the midst of all of that, uh, I, I'm going to make sure that when I speak a word over them, it's a word of, words of life and not of death and, 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 and words that, that are good. It doesn't mean that I don't correct them or discipline them. Amen? But it's life on purpose. And so this means I have... Vision encompasses my whole life. We didn't, church was not an option. Whether you slept in or slept, if you're not vomiting, get your tail up or going to church. I worked there, but even before, I was trying to preface that. But, but, but still, and I understand there's reasons for excuses and, and reasons why you can't be here and blah, blah, blah. So anyway... But see, a lifestyle of bringing your family to church. Why? Because you have a vision for their future. You have a vision for who God wants them to be, for what God will draw out of them. And so it wasn't just you go to church and you put on a big smile and you. The other thing that I learned as a child is I hated hypocrites. <laughs> I hated manipulation. I had a stepfather that would pour it on with his charisma, and everybody loved him. And, man, you close the door behind the scene, and it was the belts out and the food flying and, and, and the fists throwing and everything else he could put at you. I despise manipulation. And so I said, Lord, help me be the father in the pulpit that I am out of the pulpit. Letting, and the thing that we never did as parents, we made this agreement. We don't bash the church. We don't have the preacher for lunch, breakfast, or, or, or dinner. We, we don't go around talking about the, how bad the leader is that's over our children. We tell our children, rise to the occasion. People in the church. We did not discuss church issues. We did not discuss church problems with our kids. Why? Because the our children need the church. They need the church. They're called to a purpose, and that purpose includes the body of Christ. Why do I want to kick down the house, the walls of the very house that I'm trying to build? Are y'all getting anything out of this? Life on purpose. See, my my words help shape their identity. My words help shape my children's identity. My encouragement, mom and dad's encouragement, gives them courage. See, it infuses courage. Encouragement is infusing courage. You can do this. Come on. Our children know in, in, in times in older, uh, older teenage years and young adulthood, they know mom and dad got their back. We, we encourage them. We, it, it, is, it is when we begin to celebrate them, that's when that, that builds their confidence. See, guilt therapy never works. 
Guilt parenting is not going to cause your children to run after you. It's a short-term win. They may do it for a while, but let me tell you, there's a harvest day coming that you don't want to reap. Guilt is not a good motivator. No one likes to be guilted into something. Amen? But see, here's the thing, parents, we have to listen to and understand. Vision without participation is only wishful thinking. You've got to participate. It's the idea that you can do what I say, not as I do, is not going to work. If the idea that, uh, that you can just give a half commitment hoping they'll give a whole commitment is just not going to work. See, there's a vision. And it determined how I discipline my children. And I promise you, I'm not perfect. Thank you for not amening me on that one. We all make mistakes. You know what I did when I made mistakes with my kids? I go to my kids and I tell them, baby, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I may, I may let you slide on the next spanking, but not necessarily. But I, this time I'm wrong. I, I, I disciplined you, uh, in, and, and I did it, and I didn't, I, I didn't have all the facts, and I'm sorry. You know what? My kids appreciated that. At least I hope they did. Now, when I had to discipline them, I, I would tell them, this is going to hurt you. This hurts me the more than it hurts you. But, Daddy, it's not going to be in the same place. And there's a proper way. See, there's abuse, and abuse is not going to benefit that child. Abuse does not benefit a child. The word of the Lord says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will not forsake, they will not depart. See, abuse is, is, benefits the abuser. Discipline is a training that benefits the child. Will, will you go with me for just a little bit? See, we got to live what we preach. What we teach, we must live. Why do we do this? Why do we harness ourselves? Why do we, told, why do we keep ourselves in, in communion with the Holy Spirit and with the Father and the Son? It's because we have a vision for the future of our family. And we want them to end up in a place that God has designed and what he has desired for them. And so we, we discipline ourselves. We discipline our own selves as we follow after the Lord. And we say, okay, I'm not going there because if I go there, fathers, hear me. If you have a vision for your family, you'll stop going there. You know what I'm talking about? Do I have to spell it out? There, wouldn't be a, there would be a far less porn addiction today if moms and daddies had a lot more vision uh, than they had lust. Are you hearing me? There'd be a whole lot more people in the house of God, uh, a lot less self-destructive behavior if we get the vision of God uh, and start walking according to the vision of God. Uh, and the Holy Spirit brings conviction to the house uh, to reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And folks, we get to the place, and when the Spirit comes, uh, he turns the hearts of the fathers back to the children uh, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Amen. Amen. 
You know what the word of the Lord tells us? How many, how many believe the scripture, spare the rod, spoil the child? <laughs> I just set you up, I'm sorry. That's not even a scripture. It's not in the Bible. To spare the rod and spoil the child, just an idiom that we say. It's just a saying. But we've heard it so much that we, we think it's scripture. You know what it really says? <laughs> he who spares the rod hates his son. Oh. But he who loves him is diligent with discipline. Diligent with discipline. And you can't be an honest disciplinarian if you yourself are not disciplined. You can't tell them to worship when you don't worship. you got to I'm going to talk just a minute, and we might have to carry this over till next week because I've got two more hours, and you've got about ten minutes. Okay. He who spares the rod hates his son. What is that saying in that passage of Scripture? The person who refuses to correct their child in the right way doesn't really genuinely love that child. What's the cat? What's the what's the total of what we're talking about? It means that I have positioned myself to be the example for my child by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can't do it yourself. That I have positioned myself in that place because I love my child more than I love myself, and I want their future to be secure by the actions that I take on my side. Did you hear that? Did we see that? We live a life as, as Paul declared in Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow the Lord. He said, I'm putting my life on display. I'm taking the responsibility as a worshiper. I want you to follow me as I follow the Lord. Moms and dads, hear me. Can your children's faith survive on your level of commitment? Can your children's faith thrive on your level of commitment? Now, we raised children that, that are good citizens in the world. They do good things and they law-abiding children because they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Otherwise, they would be wrecks, I promise you, as we all would be. But I wanted them to be more than just successful in business and in the workplace. I wanted them to use their talents and their gifts for the Lord. But more than that, I wanted them to be sold out to Jesus Christ and to have him as the Lord of their life and that they would worship him all the days of their life and that they would raise up children Till the day Christ comes. In order to do that, I had to not only see where they were at, we got to get there. You're here. We're going there. 
I'd come home, and I'd ask Andrew, what have you been doing today? I've been whipping Hannah. Come in the next day. What have you been doing? Oh, I've been whipping Hannah. Then get a call one day, she's like, get home. I knew, get home. I came in, our little hard-headed two-year-old, taking her mama's lipstick, scrubbed it on her hands. I mean, we just, we were scrimping and scraping just to get by. We had a new couch that we went in debt for. We opted out of the Scots Guard protection because we couldn't afford it. <laughs> that extra 20% on top of the what you're already charging me and I got to get this thing home and so we can have some place to sit down and little Miss Hannah takes her mama's lipsticks. Rubs it all over her hands. Nice little two-year-old handprints. <laughs> I come in and Hannah's in the back. It meant that that was payment. You can go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. Andrew had a table. Had a little line of decoration in this, this table. And she, she takes a pen and she goes around this table. We can't afford to go buy another one. Andrew gets bleach and water and whatever, and she scrubs that out of there. Next day, Hannah's there, and she's got a pencil. Hannah, what are you doing? She said, it ain't a pen. <laughs> now she's got three just like her. You always have that one. Sometimes you get a three. <laughs> but, you know, we kept at it. We kept at it. And, see, I, I don't believe that. I, I believe that spare the rod. I, I do believe in, 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 in disciplining your children, training your children. i got to get into this a little deeper next week. But training your children the way this should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. But it's correction. It's like, okay, you did this, and you get this. You did this, and you get this. And it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't cathartic to release something in me. I hated spanking my children. In fact, I won't spank my grandchildren unless they push me too far. <laughs> I'll leave that up to mom and dad. That's their business. That's their business. But see, in this process, it came a place where Hannah began to learn the best option in life is to obey mom and dad. And you know, when we hit the teenage years, that girl was a model child. She, she'd go out She'd be home at 11, she'd be home at 10. She'd be home at 9, she'd be home at 8. Always telling us where she was at and what she was doing and those kinds of things. And, and so we, we, we fought the battles in the early days and we reaped the benefits in the latter. See, every child is different. And I, I, I didn't, 
I got so much I want to share with you, but I, I don't have time to share it. See, but our actions towards our kids was to ensure the vision that God had in store. It was to ensure the vision that God had for my children. The preacher's kid, it, 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 there's no, we didn't, if I wanted them to be respectful, I wanted them to come to the house of God, but I didn't force them to stand, I didn't force them to raise their hands. In fact, the word of the Lord is, uh, says to teach them in the way they should go, and when they're old, they're not to depart. That this, this word is to be continually upon your mouth and uh, within your heart. And so we would, we, would not, we would buy them a Bible and give it to them. But many times, uh, we would refer to the word of God in our house. What does the word say? What does the Bible say? What does the, you got this situation, what would Jesus do? That's how we, we began to train our children because we wanted them to understand that they needed a relationship with God. And in that relationship, there was true joy and happiness. And so there were times I did not want to get up and go to church. But I did. Why? Because I wanted my level of commitment to God so that they would have an understanding that God is going to honor that and that the house of God is not optional. It's so important. I didn't force them to read, a, read the Word of God, but they saw mom and daddy reading the Word of God, quoting the scriptures in the Word of God. They saw mom and dad lifting their hands in worship and making sacrifice for the kingdom of God, and we included them on the journey. So that one day, they would have an experience with God. Do we want truly to change America? Have y'all drifted on me? Do we want to see America change? Yeah. We got to change the home. We got to change the home. We got to have daddies bold enough to stand up and say, "Baby, you're beautiful. You're a child of God. God made you a girl. You're going that's who you are." Son, you may, not, you may not like the outdoors like I do. You may not have all the interests of, uh, you, you may not like the rough and tough and all those things, but, but son, you're a man. God made you a man, and it's good that you're a man. Identity. Not driving them to something that they're trying to feel a need in their life because they can't find it at home. If you, find, if you look at any, certain, any person in the world today who is struggling with their, with their identity, they have brought that forward from their home. Is that a fair statement? I don't have any statistical data on that. But many, many, many times, and I know that you, there are parents that are in here, you have done everything conceivably right to bring your children up in the admonition of the Lord, and they step out into the world, and they end up in places that you never had intended for them to end up. I know that happens. 
But hear me. Your prayers are stronger than the stronghold. Do not give up, let up, let go, back away. Don't continue to condemn yourself for the mistakes or the tragedies that have happened in your life. Just turn your children back over to God and say, Lord, I need you now. I need you to feel what is empty. I need you to heal what is hurting. I need you, Lord God, to, to, to build what is build back up what is broken. Lord, I need you to move. Amen. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. What do I need to rear my children? I need vision. Not every marriage works out. Not every situation works out. What do I do with what I have now? Hold to the vision. Hold to the vision. Not where they're at, where they're going. If you can be in agreement with your spouse on this, that is fantastic. That is what's God's desire. But if you can't, you hold to it. You hold to it. You make the commitment, God, I'm going to, I'm positioning myself. I'm positioning myself. I'm not going to parent in guilt and I'm not going to parent in fear. I'm going to parent in a direction, Lord, that you lead me, that you guide me. The heart of the Lord is broken. The children of this generation. Your children are on his heart today. He's a merciful God. Would you look at me right quick, and then we're going to start to claw, draw to a close. I am here today because somebody prayed me in. The doctor, when I had gangrene, nine years of age, spirit-filled surgeon, laid his hands over me and prayed endless hours over me. He did the surgery. He removed the poison out of my body. Had three surgeries from when I was nine years old, but he prayed over me. I believe that I'm living those prayers that he prayed over me by the Spirit of God. Rebellious, drunken, drug addict teenager going and keeping the neighbors up. Went into my buddy's house. Lady crossed the street. Spirit-filled woman pointed me out of the crowd. And when she did, she would pray for me. She would ask for the Lord to deliver me and to set me free. And that the call of God to be established in my life. Before I was even born, when I came into connection, this is a beautiful thing. When I came into connection with Andrea, I also connected to her great-grandfather's prayers. 
a man that was known to pray, pray for his generation, the next generation, and every generation. That's where I picked up praying for generations. He was a man that so much prayed that he was known to have wore the knees out of his pants because he spent so much time before the Lord praying and interceding. I am here because somebody prayed. The course of my life was changed because somebody prayed. How did I know those two stories of the surgeon and the spirit-filled lady across the street is because all of their kids were in my youth group. Don't give up yet. I'm going to do something that might make you a little bit uncomfortable and I thought Andrew's going to set this thing up for me. <laughs> but you don't have to. I want you to stand and I want us, I want us to gather to gather in these altars standing together can you do that I, I promise nobody nobody's going to hurt anybody just get your family we want you to come if you're not physically able we understand and she was just half teasing when he, she said you'd be a target of Pentecostal church <laughs> if you don't have a family just come on pray for your future family just step out let's just We're not going to lay hands today. We're not going to. We're going to pray for the kids. We're going to pray for the children. 